Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy White, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Conjurman Ali of theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California, and Miss Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California. This week's special guest will be Miss Athena of GothamConjure.com in New York City, bringing us today's topic of Mediterranean Folk Magic Part 2. <laughs> they will um, take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions, problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and have called into the show, then you will receive on the air a a free consultation. We will be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Conjurman Ali and Miss Catherine Ironwood. Miss Cat, how are you? Well, I'm still hanging in here. <laughs> it's um it's only been a few hours since you and I talked. And um I'm going to just give a little shout out to a friend of mine has been my friend probably 20 years or more, certainly more. Um Clifford Hartley Lowe. Any of you people who are in the uh New York occult scene or go to Pantheacon would know him for his Green Fairy Absinthe parties. He's a a Western traditional um, occultist, alchemist, and um, magician. He has also studied hoodoo with me, and he is a a relative of mine. He's a not-so-distant cousin of mine, and he's a not-so-distant cousin of our announcer, Dr. Jeremy Weiss. (laughs) So we're all related to each other through a particular famous rabbi from Czechoslovakia known as the Maharal of Prague. And um, Clifford is an actual descendant. Uh, His last name is Lowe, which was the last name of the Maharal of Prague. And we are kind of collaterally descended through the Maharal's sister, Jeremy and I. So we had a conference call last night, and I want to just mention what it was about. Jeremy sent out a call to everyone he knew who was both an occultist and in the medical professions. And also people who had medical herbology and other backgrounds in science and in statistics and in anything that could be related to the COVID-19 situation um, we're dealing with. And if you're not a friend of Clifford online, you might enjoy getting to know him on Facebook. He's a generous, friendly person. And um, so we had a Zoom conference, and I learned a lot, and I think I shared some. And um, it was wonderful, Jeremy. Thank you for participating in that. And we're going to be doing it weekly. And, um, of course, Zoom is kind of limited into how many people can talk and what they can distribute as far as information. But there were other people there back from the old Usenet uh, alt-magic days, like um, Lainey 
Peterson and, of course, Nagashiva. In fact, I met Nagashiva through Usenet, Altmagic, and allied groups, and we've been married ever since. So it was kind of a callback to have some of our old friends in Zoom now that I've known since the early 1990s. About 1994 is when I joined them. So, uh, But we learned a lot, and it was really um, useful information. There are certain people who are distributing COVID-19 material in a logical, orderly way, trying to get information out, uh, where you can go for more information. I've mentioned them before, William Stick Evers, and um, who is a member of AIR and is a mundane astrologer, and also um, a man named Marcus Coydog Werner. And Marcus is with a K. Coydog is like a coyote dog, all one word, Werner, W-E-R-N-E-R. Marcus Coydog Werner, who has a metaphysical shop and is an herbologist. And um, we're all kind of doing our best to promote not sensationalistic information, but medical and um, alternative medical and scientific information that we can promote. So it was great, and that's what I did for the week uh, weekend, for Saturday night. Other than that, I've been um, uh, working on... Uh, Bagging devil shoestring for some reason, out of nowhere, we had a run on devil shoestring that's like you wouldn't believe. I guess people want protection, <laughs> but um, since I'm the one who breaks up the big, big uh, root balls of devil shoestring and bag them, I've just been bagging devil shoestring all morning. It's been kind of crazy. Um, we still have um, our workers working from home, making the products. We're running a little late at the Lucky Mojo shop. We have. Um, two to three week delay at this point on some orders. Other ones, not so much a delay on making the product, and we may have the products on hand, but the delay is getting someone in to download the orders. And so far that's been kind of cut back. But then on the other hand, orders have been cut back as well. So um, if you thought about placing an order with Lucky Mojo, please do, because we want to stick this out and we want to be around at the end of this pandemic we don't want to be one that goes down in the in the tide i'll tell you it's it's bad i've just been seeing one shop after another locally and old internet friends comic book shops music stores um metaphysical shops hand handicraft shops art art shops everything is going under they're closing forever and this will mm. leave us with uh, fewer local businesses more will be done through places like Amazon, but we also see what that has done to us because that's all stuff made in China. And now mm-hmm. look, when the Chinese um, trade lines are cut, what are we going to get? You know. So uh, we really can um, can use any kind of orders we can get. I'm not desperate. I'm not. I'm not begging. But I'm telling you that our um, work at Lucky Mojo has been cut. And I've talked to other um, people in air. They're um, Psychic readings are down, uh, candle services are down, and of course it's because people have lost their jobs. They've tried to apply for unemployment, and at least here in California, nobody that I know who has applied for unemployment has received any money yet. Now, there may be Mm -hmm. some, but I don't know anybody, and I know dozens of people who've applied for unemployment, and, um, you know, it just ain't happening. And so you know, we're not saying spend all your money on 
uh, candle services or on um, occult products when you actually need rice and beans and and beef jerky and and clementines and whatever you're living on, okay? Now you know what I'm living on. <laughs> um, and um, so, but but you know when um, when you are up against it, definitely pay for your um, food. There's also an, an awful lot going on in the supply chains for the metaphysical stores. We're having a trouble getting certain things, and as we mentioned at that uh, meeting that we had with uh, Clifford and um, and all of the people involved who are both in the occult and medical professions, an interesting overlap. Uh, one of the things that um, came out was that the supply chains to um, China are broken. And um, mm. Jeremy uh, just um, sent me some information about that this morning. I've been complaining that we can't get oil, and I mentioned this before on the, shop, on the show, that the shop cannot get oil in one-gallon jugs anymore. We usually buy these by the... Uh, 16 gallons at a time. They come in big cases and are shipped by UPS. Can't get them that way. We have to buy a 40-gallon steel drum now. Now, it had occurred to me that they were all sold out of their gallon jugs, but then when um, when Jeremy sent me this notice about how the Chinese are now hoarding cooking oil and rice, and they can't get cooking oil and rice. We're still hoarding toilet paper, but we're um, behind them. So I'm just giving you all a shout-out. Start, start hoarding cooking oil and rice. So um, the oils that we use to make our metaphysical oils, some of them can be used as cooking oils. Not all. Mineral oil obviously cannot. But some of them are cooking oils, even though they're more expensive than safflower oil. We don't use canola oil or anything like that for our, for our uh, metaphysical oils. But it then occurred to me that it's the plastic jugs that may be the shortfall here. And we get them by the gallon plastic jug because it's easy. Anyone can lift one and tip it. But honestly, they're one-use jugs. We actually manage to reuse them many times and use them to make other things in. But at the end of the day, we end up with empty jugs that go to the uh, landfill. Um, Maybe some of them can be recycled. If you live in an area where recycling is done, we happen to. But other people, those things can't be recycled because there's no really good plastic recycling. So we may be looking at a fundamental change in the way things are packaged and, and in the way things are given to us. They've been, over the years of my life, they've been coming in smaller and smaller packages with one-use plastic wrappers. And this is a you know, difficult situation for the landfills, and I've always tried to not do that. But now there aren't, the plastic jugs aren't there. So just saying. Um, and it may be, um, as um, Jeremy said, it may be that it's an artificial um, uh you know, shortage because of storage, of hoarding. And and this is um, another possibility, but yet that's a real action, whether or not it is logical. We're dealing with illogical people. So, mm. um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on here, but so far we are still able to get bulk orders of candles. We are able to get the oil if we buy it by the 40-gallon steel drum. The biggest problem we've been having, and this came out, uh, I mentioned it during this uh, conference um, last night, all herbs that also have medicinal uses, legitimate medicinal uses, whether in European, American, or Chinese traditional 
herbal medical use are in short supply, even though they also have magical uses, because ultimately we are on the you know the the lower end of the totem pole of those uses. So herbs, and I'm going to just mention a few of them: herbs like yerba santa, mullen, um, and um, uh, chinchona or ten bark, uh, Peruvian bark, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are a lot of these herbs that are um, used traditionally in making medicine for cold, cough, and fever, and they are getting hard to get. And um, mm-hmm. we're not going to be raising our prices on them, but we may have to be refunding on these orders because these are sold out. And these we buy them usually by the one well, from 1 to 100 pounds, depending on what the product is and how hard it is to get and whether we have to get a grower to grow it for us. And um, we are now not even able to get full pounds of some of these. We can only get four four-ounce pre-packs, which cost more, obviously. We're not raising our prices yet, but we are considering not carrying some of these herbs for the duration. What happened over the years, and I'm I'm just going to try to make this real clear to my listeners, is not that these herbs are so rare and or that they're hard to grow, but that over the years China um, took over as the major producer of many of these herbs. China is a very large country with varied um, regional climates. And so things that grow, for instance, in California can grow in southern China. That's why so many southern Chinese move to California. It's almost like home. Northern China and up toward Mongolia, you're getting more like the upper Midwest type of climate, almost into Canada, finally. And so any herb that grows anywhere on the world can be probably grown in some part of China, with the exception of the real hard tropicals. And those are still grown in the tropics. But what has happened over the years that China has beat out the local regional farmers and they have mass produced these herbs. Just an example is garlic. Um, Garlic used to be a big, huge crop in California and Texas. Um, American garlic is, you can always tell American garlic and also garlic from Mexico because it has the little rootlets at the bottom. But because of trade embargoes on nematodes, which are little parasitic um, animals that live in the, in the ground, little worms, um, the, they grow among the roots. And so Chinese garlic has to have a, a machine that scoops those rootlets off, and the bottom of every Chinese clove of garlic has been caved out or carved out. There are farmers' markets all around the Midwest where people claim this is that they grew the garlic, but if the garlic is scooped out at the bottom, they didn't grow it. That's a lie. It's from China. And it's from what's called phytosanitary reasons that it's scooped out. Well, guess what? No more garlic from China. We're we're having this um, problem, right? And so just a simple thing like garlic. Now, America could tool up again and plant more garlic and harvest it, but it takes 10 months to grow garlic. So meanwhile, garlic is a major ingredient in Four Thieves Vinegar, which is a major um, old-fashioned European-Italian a remedy against the plague, bubonic plague, but any plague, mm. basically. It's even been used against polio. It's been used against cholera, typhus, typhoid, and the flu and colds. So um, you might have to start looking for alternative sources for some of these things. And the um, the Costco 
pre-cut, pre-frozen, not frozen, but um, refrigerated garlic is all coming from China in airplanes. It's not here anymore. So just keep an eye out for those things um, in working your magic because all of the herb and root magic that we do, we're working on last year's harvest. And we may not have a harvest this year or it may not be able to be shipped to us. I'm not trying to be the voice of doom and gloom. I'm not a Cassandra. Um, <laughs> shout out to Cassandra Devers, one of my favorite students I ever had, um, and, a, and a wonderful uh, artist and, and uh, psychic in her own right. Um, but uh, but there is a problem, and I'm just trying to give you a little heads up here. Um, if you can't find something at one metaphysical shop, try another. Okay. All right. Um, that was my how am I doing? How are you doing, Ali? Um, I'm doing well, but uh, you, you know you're right. One of the things that that we're, I don't think people are, are prepared for is that things are going to be different, and not just you know this month, but for the kind of immediate future and the, the kind of consequences of like let's say you know lockdown and social distancing ends at the end of April. There's still going to be the effect for months to come, and it's going to affect our supply lines, the way we live, uh, and, and, you know, uh, all sorts of things. And not just that, but also the, the sort of magical products, spiritual supplies, and everything that is accessible for us. And we've said it on the show over and over again, that just as, just as consequential as the pandemic itself is the social effects of it, well, the conjure root work, hoodoo, magical work, spiritual supplies, those are all part of the living world. They're, they're going to be shaped. Uh, and so, you know, people are going to have to adjust and, and whatnot. I know that uh, I've certainly um, uh, adjusted. I'm a little bit more cautious in terms of, like, using the candles I have. But just, just so that I'm like, <laughs> I have a nice large supply in the works, you know, that I have here. But I'm also like, as I'm doing work, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to just put up six candles randomly for one particular working. I'm going to do more jar spells. I'm going to do a little bit more, mo- like things that I have, that I can have readily available to myself uh, and that I can make, you know, and, and use over a long period. So there's, there's a sort of adjustment here, but that's the reality of living magic, right? Of a tradition in which that's shaped by people's lived experiences. You know, certain things are accessible, certain things are not. Just like, uh, you know, people who who immigrate, they have to find new ingredients in a new country. <laughs> now we're going to be thinking about new ingredients and certain ingredients that are going to become a little bit harder to get and how often do we use it and whatnot. So it's certainly interesting times is, is, all, is all I can say. Um, it but it is, and, and, and I'm going to jump in on that for a moment, too, because as you all know, I've been um, teaching and um, sustaining uh, 19th and early to mid-20th century hoodoo. My job mm. is to keep that practice current without jumping to you know new forms or new this or that or the other. That's mm-hmm. not my job. I'm just showing and demonstrating and teaching and providing supplies for traditional hoodoo. And one of the things I've noticed a lot with my what I would call my more um, luxury privileged and usually white customers is that they want to have something that's basically provided for them. They don't want to have to put something together. 
And it's very Mm -hmm. interesting to see how we are returning because of these supply line issues and what is what is available and what what people can do while at home and in a small space has be, has actually produced a heightened interest in the older forms of working which makes me very glad um, but but the um the idea that that everything will be here at the tip of your fingers is not you know you're not going to be making a mojo bag with 21 ingredients in it. If you can't get 21 <laughs> ingredients, you're going to make one with three ingredients, and that'll be a callback to the way it was done in the 19 teens. Yeah, that's the that's adjustment right then and there for you, right? That mm-hmm. kind of, you have to shift the way that you work and also mm-hmm. the way you approach this type of stuff. And part of the kind of yeah. beauties of, of voodoo and root work uh, is it, it is in many ways shaped by access some extent, right? If you're if you're a black person living in the South or living in a city in a particular time now, you have access to only certain certain stuff. Even space is something that you consider. If you're living mm-hmm. in, a, in a one bedroom high rise in New York City, mm-hmm. you're not having big massive altars. Right? Mm-hmm. You're you have to do work in a different sort of way. And so this is this is certainly interesting and I think, you know, maybe you'll write about the another you know, kind of the hoodoo that emerges a little bit during the, the era of the pandemic and how it sometimes harkened back to this older period, which is it's pure fascination for me. Yeah. Uh, Doc Mur- Murphy said something here, um, which was um, in, the, in the chat uh, room. Uh, um, we noticed that in the occult shop I used to work in. White folks always wanted pre-mades rather than make their own like many are learning to cook for the first time in quarantine rather than eating pre-made foods. Mm-hmm. And um, Cousin Joshua says, I've definitely been gathering more local plants as they've been blooming in my area, dandelion, periwinkle, wisteria right now. Not sure what I will use them for. feels good just to be doing a little gathering to stock up on as the opportunity arises. And, um, yeah, that's a, that's a very important thing is that um, – to go out, get yourself a, a botanical handbook, and um, and learn the plants that are in your area. Mm-hmm. Of course, I teach course in this, and and I one of the homeworks is for people to turn in a local plant that they've harvested. They don't have to grow it, just to harvest it, collect it, dry it. Um, but now that training is going to pay off for some people, and they're going to understand how. Um, Folk magic operates on a more local level rather mm-hmm. than getting everything shipped in from somewhere else. Um, and um, a covet gift number two wrote, um, had an idea, just wanted to mention it, boosting and blessing face masks, probably only the cloth ones, as liquid damages the manufactured ones. That's true, covet gift. Li- liquid would damage the manufactured ones, but there are other ways to um, bless something besides... Um, spritzing it with a liquid, um, you can smoke it in incense smoke, which is kind mm-hmm. of, uh, gets a little particulate matter on it. Eh, well, maybe not so bad. And another way is to put anything that you want to bless under a bowl, and often people will use a glass bowl. These are like glass Pyrex or glass um, salad bowls, and then burn a candle on top of it. And mm-hmm. um, if you want to really go the whole method, then I recommend you would take a seal, uh, like a Solomonic seal or a seal of Moses, put that 
um, under, put the object you want to bless on top, put the turned over glass bowl or glass plate if it's a flat thing, and then burn the candle. And this would not be a, a vigil light. This would be a little small candle like a little um, uh, Hanukkah light or a little uh, four-inch candle, chime candle, uh, birthday candle, tea light, anything like that on top. And then it's on the seal, it's under the candle. And that's a good way to bless anything that you wish to have blessed. Okay, wow. Um, and uh, Luminaria Star adds, I have dabbed a tiny bit of tea tree uh, or thyme oil on a mask, and it worked well. Absolutely. And I can also say that mint oil is another one that people use for this, and um, eucalyptus oil. So there's four oils that are used um, neat, as they say. Um, this would be the, the, the essential oil, not diluted. Okay, so... Um, those are all good um, for that. Um, and um, All right. Well, um, we have a topic today, too. And um, <laughs> so let's bring in um, our dear friend, Miss um, Athena. How are you doing today, Miss Athena? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's been Welcome. a while since we talked. Thank you. It's nice to hear your voices again. Um in these days of absolute isolation, uh, voices seem to be all we have to keep us company. Uh, it's been a really rough time to be in New York City these days. <clears throat> you know, we're on the front line. It, it definitely yeah. has felt very much like a war zone. Uh, it's very tense, the atmosphere here. Streets have been empty. People are just isolated, staying home. And the only sound we seem to hear from the outside comes from sirens and helicopters. So mm. it's it's very unsettling. In fact, I've had to mute my line twice on the, the show already um, because the, there were ambulances screaming by. And mm. uh, it's not like there's traffic they need to avoid. So uh, it, it's just very unsettling, and um, it, it's, it's a tough time. Uh, we have a little bit of good news in the last couple of days uh, where they said that the death rate has actually slowed in the city. So uh, that's how we're, you know, we're taking good news is people are dying more slowly <clears throat> or fewer mm. of them are dying, but they're still dying. And it's predicted that we're maybe a week away from the apex in the city. Yeah. So the worst, worst hasn't hit us yet. And it's been described as 9-11 happening in slow motion. And mm-hmm. that's really kind of the mood here. And that's the feel. So... Uh, I I don't leave my apartment. I haven't left in over two weeks except to walk the dog. Uh, It's just there's too much going on out there. But um, I'm hopeful that we're going to, you know, we will overcome this, but I'm hopeful that it will be sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, like everyone, the unpredictability of it is really unsettling and the uncertainty Mm -hmm. and talking about supply chain issues um, on a magical level as well as a mundane level uh, we we have a whole new normal that will be our new normal for quite some time, and we mm-hmm. have to adjust, scale back, simplify whatever we need to do. And I'm looking at that as kind of the blessing in all of this is that we have a chance to really reflect on ourselves and our lives and what's important and how we go about things in a way that wastes very little uh, and takes the fullest advantages of what we do have available. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on... Mediterranean herbs um, and their multivariate usage, so that there's a whole number of different ways 
that the kind of herbs um, that we're familiar with in, in Mediterranean magic can be used outside of their primary form and their primary purpose. So I was very excited to uncover some new ways to look at traditional workings. And um, and when we get to our free spell, I'm going to talk about how we're able to utilize those in the time of coronavirus to help sort of restore a little bit of our sense of strength and vitality physically as well as psychically because we've all taken quite a toll in this pandemic already. And uh, yeah. I, I'm really hopeful that we can use the magic that we have on hand to elevate us and uh, help us through this even better than before. Yeah, that's that's what we're here for. Well, you know, thanks for filling us in on what's going on in New York. Um, mm. It's um, it's you know we get pretty grim news out of there, and um, I'm glad yeah. it's uh, lightening up a little bit. Um, let's turn to our topic: Mediterranean magic, part two. So, mm. part one was um, on April fifth, twenty twenty, and. Um, Hmm. Was Mm-mm, it? No, no that's today, today is April fifth. Oh, oh, <laughs> it oh. was in June. Shiva put, I believe it was Shiva, last Somebody year. put in the wrong note. Sorry, I'm reading it right <laughs> off the. Uh, I'm reading it right off the chat log, and it was wrong. That was today. So he said, "Find part one here," and he put down the thing for part two. Hopefully, he will give us part one very soon <laughs> if he finds it. Do you remember the date that we did part one? I believe it was sometime in June of last year. June of last June. year. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, now he's saying, I'll fix, I think it was June 26, 2019. But, well, please, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that, that's what he thinks. Please post the link um, there, Nagashiva, for everybody to have it, and he'll fix it later in the chat log. Sorry about that. All right, so this has been um, not quite a year, and we're doing mm-hmm. part two. Um, well, I'm just going to turn this over to you, and I'm, because I know you have a lot of information and material prepared for us, so mm-hmm. um, just Take it away and talk about Mediterranean folk magic. Sure. Well, in our last show, we we did a quite a bit of discussion about things like the evil eye. So there's no need to revisit that. It was a, it was its own topic. Um, but we did mention that we wanted to talk more about rue because we were in the vein of protective magic, and rue is certainly something. Uh, it's native mm-hmm. to the Mediterranean, and it's used very pervasively for protection against malevolent energy, um, but also for warding off illness. And uh, and we did want to bring that topic up today. And one of the things that um, that I looked into for rue is how it's applied in uh, as an herb, but also symbolically. We know that as an herb, it's used across the Mediterranean for um, for protection. It can be used as an herb in uh, the Mediterranean version of a mojo bag. Um, it's also used in the Catholic Church. In some Mediterranean countries, they'll tie sprigs of rue together and use that to sprinkle holy water on people and on places to bless them and keep away evil spirits. So that's kind of how it became known as the herb of grace, which I think is a very lovely way to mm-hmm. uh, to look at rue. Um, but uh, it, what is particularly interesting in contemporary Mediterranean magic is the use of rue as a symbol its image, uh, and I'm speaking specifically about the special charm from Italy called the Cimaruta. And we have an image of that in the photo gallery for the show. Um, Cimaruta means sprig of rue, and this is mm-hmm. a pendant that you see all across Italy uh, to ward off the evil eye, but to ward off um, just malevolent energy. 
it's it's always almost may always made of sterling silver and uh and it's used primarily by women and it has the three sprigs of rue and on the ends of it there are other charms like a moon um you know to you know, symbolic of diana uh, because it's protective of women particularly in childbirth there are other symbols like a hand holding a sword um of the bleeding heart of jesus a number of symbols on the ends of uh of the sprigs of rue on the chimaruta are used for protection and if you look that up um, or go to any jewelry store in Italy, you'll see quite a few different types of chimaruta. They're made all the way to today, um, and they're lovely. In fact, I'm wearing mine right now just because I felt I need a little bit of uh, protection in uh, in this current environment in the city. Um, but it is a lovely amulet, and it is very, very traditional for women in particular for men, what we see a lot of in Mediterranean magic as far as a protective amulet are things that tend to be more um, sort of phallic or sexual in nature, like the monofico, the hand with the thumb um, in between the first and second fingers, the double-horned hand. These are things that are meant to be very phallic and sexual in nature because it was believed that the evil eye in particular robs men of their virility. So a lot mm-hmm. of the apotropaic charms for men are very sexual or phallic. Uh, and you'll also have things like a fish, for example. Um, these are euphemisms for the penis in folk speech, so il pesce, the fish, mm-hmm. or shivare, the key, you know, to screw. Mm-hmm. A lot of these images are uh, in protective amulets. So um, rue is used continuously throughout the Mediterranean in uh, in its nature of being a protective thing. But in my research, I've also found that rue is used very commonly in Mediterranean for rituals for strength and healing. And strength and healing are things that I feel that we all need more of uh, these days um, because of what we're living through. And so I've been focusing quite a bit of my research on how to use Mediterranean magic to help restore our sense of vitality, our sense of energy, spiritually as well as physically in this time of need. And Rue can certainly come into play for that, too. Um, we, uh, we've seen early physicians in the Mediterranean use Rue as a deterrent against the plague and mm-hmm. other diseases that are pervasive in community spread. So it could not be more contemporary than it is now. Uh, and it was meant to be worn in a pouch around the neck, like a mojo bag. Um, so Rue is protective against these community spread illnesses and, and uh, diseases, um, and also commonly used as a cure for headaches, placed mm-hmm. on the forehead. Literally placed on the forehead was seen as curing headaches. So Rue, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it the last time, but Rue is one of these uh, multi-use, multi-purpose kind of herbs, very um, easily obtainable, I think, and hopefully will be mm-hmm. for some time to come, even with supply chain issues. Um, but Rue is something that should be in every root worker's arsenal to the greatest abundance of it that you can get your hands on, because I think can it's I, going to be I very valuable. In? Absolutely. I'm going to jump in here about supply chains and rue. Rue does not have a good supply chain ever. There have mm. been times in the last 25 years when we've been out of rue for up to nine months at a time. Nobody has it. 
And wow. um, that's because they're waiting for the next harvest. There might have been a crop failure. We don't know, but it's happened more than once. So as common as it is and easily grown in California, which has a Mediterranean climate, rue has a, a very delicate supply chain, possibly because its primary uses are magical, and therefore mm-hmm. that's considered to be a lesser mm-hmm. quantity would be needed. And so um, it's one that I would always, I, I always try to be ahead on. Um, you mentioned a couple of um, male charms, and I wanted mm-hmm. to mention that I have written web pages about these, and the um, they are in the chat log. But for those listening without the chat log um, present, um, one of them is um, these are all at Lucky Mojo Rue and Chimaruta HTML. It's all one word. Um, uh, and another one is Manafico HTML. The Manafico being a a hand that shows the thumb uh, protected by the index finger and middle finger. And fico means fig, and mano is hand, so it's the fig hand. But what it really means is that penis going into the fig or the female womb. Um, It's for protection. Another one is a mano cornuto, which is um, the horns, not the single Italian horn, but the double horns, which has unfortunately been associated with heavy metal and with the some Texas sports team hook'em horns. I don't know, and I don't care. Because really, it's an ancient, ancient um, indigenous Italian um, protection uh, spell that's used to keep um, the uh, evil off of the uh, phallic Mm -hmm. member. So I just wanted to put those shout-outs that there are web pages on these if you want to see pictures of what they look like. Um, And... um, and learn more. Okay, on we go. Go ahead, your turn. Uh, okay, the uh, the other one that I wanted to talk about a little bit more in depth, we started the last time, um, it didn't get very far, is Dittany of Crete. And you mm. talk about rare. You, this is extremely rare. In fact, it's protected now by European law, so it does not become extinct. Uh, very popular in Mediterranean magic. It's native to Crete most commonly associated with love spells, but it's also used in healing and protection spells, too, and I want to talk a little more about that. Uh, I was in Greece over Christmas a few months ago, and I actually lucked into a huge trove of Dittany of Crete. And Mm. funny enough, it was at the airport on my way home at a little Greek herbal shop. And so I bought up every last bag of it I could find, and I've been using it in my love work for clients, but also using it for healing and protection spells. And um, it's got a long history in that regard. Dittany is used to repel things that are foreign and potentially harmful from the body. That's the belief of it. Aristotle himself said that the wild goats that lived in the mountains of Crete would seek out Dittany to heal themselves after being shot by arrows because it would actually physically expel the arrow from their body. And so it's that drawing out thing. It was used to draw out splinters. It's been applied to snake bites to draw out their poison. And even when burned, the smoke was used by uh, physicians in the Mediterranean to help expel a dead embryo in a case of miscarriage. So it's mm-hmm. used to sort of bring out uh, and take things out of the body that don't belong there. Um, Hippocrates considered it useful for stomach aches 
and digestive issues and using it as a poultice for healing wounds. Um, and even in Harry Potter, we saw Dittany of Crete when Hermione used it to help Ron after he was injured. So it has a long history in that regard of being a healing and restorative kind of herb. And what's funny that I noticed in my research is that a lot of the herbs that we use in Mediterranean magic for strength and healing are also believed to stimulate psychic vision. And I don't know where mm-hmm. this correlation comes from, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that, but rue placed on the third eye is thought to help increase your psychic vision and mm-hmm. your psychic ability. Dittany of Crete burned as an incense. Helena Blavatsky and, and Aleister Crowley certainly popularized this use as a means of encouraging psychic vision. And so I found it very interesting that the, these multi-purpose herbs, you know, rue is protection as well as healing, Dittany of Crete for love as well as healing, both of them are also seen as stimulating psychic vision. So mm-hmm. you talk about multi-purpose herbs, this is this is kind of a, a holy grail of purpose for these particular kinds of herbs. And I found that very, very interesting, that mm-hmm. psychic vision seems to go hand-in-hand hand with strength and healing and protection. Well, we have a question in the chat room, so I'm going to mm-hmm. uh, address it here verbally. Uh, Dr. Sweet said, some say basil is the American dittany. True or not? Not true. Mm-hmm. And um, Luminaria Star mentioned, no, it's related to oregano. So um, oregano and basil are related. Let's just talk for a minute about herbs. The mint family is um, a, a large family with many herbs that have aromatic and medicinal properties. Almost There are none of those herbs in that um, family are toxic, and so they find wide use culinarily and medically and magically. So um, rue is um, from the orange family, not related to Crete. It's actually the, the named plant from which the entire orange and lemon family gets its name, the rutaceae. So put that off to one side. Basil, oregano, mint, thyme, sage, and so forth. And look at their little flowers. You'll see how they're all related. Are all in the Mediterranean mint complex. There are also mints that grow farther up north. Um, and um, Dittany of Crete is actually um, a, a variety of oregano and is known in England um, as well as the name Dittany. It's also known as woolly oregano. And like sage, which is also woolly, and there's also a kind of thyme called woolly thyme, many of these mint family members will grow like little gray hairs on themselves, which are used to regulate their temperature in climates, Mediterranean climates, that have only a rainy season and a dry season. Mm. And the white hairs will... um, repel, you know, light. In other words, they protect them from overheating. It's like wearing white instead of black. They don't absorb radiation. They repel. And um, other plants that have these um, silvery qualities to them, like the artemisias, are not related, but they have the same locational adaptation. So we see willows Mm -hmm. that are silvery. We see artemisias that are silvery. And we see certain of the mint family that are silvery. Any plant that is silvery like that is always sacred to the moon. Sometimes the silveriness is on the bottom of the leaf and not the top. And you wonder why would that be? It's because it's growing in a sandy, gravelly area where the light will hit and reflect up to the underside of the leaf. 
Some of them have the wool on all of them, like the Neocrete. of Crete. So when you're looking at plants that are silvery, woolly, or, or like that, you know you're going to have a lunar plant. They're all going to be lunar. And many of them have a, um, a sickle shape to the leaf, like the willow. Uh, Dittany of Crete does not. But when growing Dittany of Crete, you cannot substitute oregano for it. It has a different flavor. It has a different scent. And, of course, it has a different look, except for the flowers are similar enough that by DNA it's a cousin of oregano. Okay? Mm. Very interesting. Yes, you know, Dittany of Crete Mm. is uh, considered the uh, herb that's dedicated to Artemis. And mm-hmm. she's represented by the moon, so all of that mm-hmm. uh, that makes perfect sense that's very that's very, very interesting, and I find it fascinating how herbs have these lives that seem to go on and on and um and they can touch a number of different situations and a number of different opportunities too. One thing that I've really found interesting in Mediterranean folk magic, uh, something that doesn't get a lot of love in the press when it comes to folk magic in this region, when we think about it, uh, it's over-eclipsed by things like the evil eye charms and even rue, is the use of carnations. Mm, and mm-hmm. carnations are one of my favorite flowers. I've always been drawn to that spicy scent. I had them growing in the flower box outside of my bedroom window when I grew up, so I have a lot of affection for carnations and they're used primarily in in hoodoo in in a lot of different folk magic traditions around the world for love and Mm -hmm. they're said to have originated uh that they sprung up from the tears that mary shed as she followed jesus on his path to his crucifixion and so it is associated with a mother's love uh, that kind of purity of love, red carnations for passion. Certainly its association with love is hereditary to a number of folk magic traditions, but it also has a very strong Mediterranean tradition for strength and valor. Mm-hmm. And uh, the name in Greek, Dianthus, means divine flower, flower of the gods. Mm-hmm. And its history goes back 2,000 years to ancient Egypt. Um, the Greeks dedicated it to Zeus, who's known uh, in Roman mythology as Jupiter, the king of the gods, and he's associated with strength and victory. So these attributes are associated with this flower as well. It's the official flower of Spain. It's it's official flower of Sicily. And it's mm-hmm. also associated with St. Peter. He's the road opener. We know he's the one mm-hmm. who has the keys to the heaven, uh, to, to the kingdom of heaven. Um, but he was also a very powerful healer. In, uh, in in the stories, uh, he is said to be so powerful as a healer that even his shadow can heal. And so uh, carnations have taken on this, uh, this symbol of healing and strength. And in fact, mm. St. Peter's feast day, June 29th, which will be coming up in parts of Italy, it's known as Carnation Day. And so it's mm. very heavily associated with the removal of obstacles and the healing and, and propelling people along their way. Um, <clears throat> we know that uh, <clears throat> in the 1600s, the famous botanist and physician Nicholas Culpepper called carnations, quote, the great strengthener of the heart and the head. Mm-hmm. And in ancient Mediterranean folk healing, carnations were used to fight fever and influenza, strokes, epilepsy, uh, other nervous uh, conditions and head disorders. And Pliny the Elder 
said carnations cure migraines and heart palpitations. So here we have that strengthener of the head and the heart. And so this is a very powerful ally to use in spells and rituals for healing, for strength, physical and psychic, um, for places and, and situations where you or your clients need to be supported physically, emotionally, etc. So carnations are a wonderful addition to those types of rituals. Um, in ancient pharmacies, interesting to note that the most popular product was carnation milk, which mm-hmm. was obtained by distillation. And in France, it was particularly seen as being beneficial to treating eye problems and uh, that you would, you would rinse out the eyes with carnation milk. And, uh, and by the way, the brand name, Carnation milk, mm-hmm. the evaporated milk has nothing mm-hmm. to do with this tradition. I was hoping it did because what a wonderful story that would be. Um, but that was a random association. The founder of the company saw the name Carnation written in a tobacco shop window and thought it was a lovely name and named his company Carnation. So it has nothing to do with this. But spiritually, Carnation milk, um, as a healing agent in ancient Mediterranean. Uh, pharmacies was something that was the number one product that was used. And today, carnations are used in Mediterranean magic um, for love, of course, but to promote strength and energy. And typically you would you would take the dried petals of a carnation and put them in a mojo bag that you would wear around your neck. Um, you can uh, use them on incense to burn it and use that smoke to smoke the person who's ill or even use carnations as a flower, a living flower, in um, the room of a person who is overcoming illness after surgery, et cetera, um, because it promotes health and healing. And, um, and it also, once again, here we have that psychic vision that if you burn it as an incense, put it on a piece of uh, charcoal and burn that as an incense and breathe in that smoke, that it, it's, it's said to actually promote psychic vision. As well, so once again, that multi-purpose aspect of this particular Mediterranean tradition uh, carries on. So that that, that I found very interesting. That's um, very interesting. Uh, carnations, for those who are unfamiliar with them, are variously scented, but the wild carnations smell almost exactly like the herb called cloves, mm-hmm. and which is a um, a more tropical plant. Cloves have a long use in Jewish folk magic from which they've been transferred into, you know, English sticking cloves and hams and making pomanders by sticking them in oranges and so forth. But mm-hmm. in um, Jewish folk magic, cloves are burned um, uh, to get rid of the evil eye. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, this is interesting to me because, of course, unless someone had a a um, willing Jewish trader who was going to bring cloves up into Europe, which did happen, the carnation in England had some of the transferred information about the scent of cloves. And so carnations were used in sick rooms to get rid of sickness mm-hmm. because cloves get rid of evil, right? The, mm-hmm. the clove plant. And they are not related. It just is a scent similarity between the the clove flower bud and the carnation. Um, the clove bud looks like a little, what's called a rosehead nail. When you hand make nails, you can use a little a stamping device at the end. You make a little, it's called a rosehead, and instead of a flat nail like we have in modern nails. And uh, so the clove 
the individual cloves were called nails, nails of clove. Mm. And they were used to symbolize the nails by which Jesus was crucified. And so the red carnation and the cloves had a symbolism relating to the suffering and passion of Jesus. Mm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We use cloves in Greek magic for divination as well. If you want to find out who it is that has put the evil eye on you, you stick a pin into the bottom end of a clove and light it over, you know, you name it for someone that you think may be the culprit. You light that over a flame, and if it if it pops or makes a noise, that is the person. But if it just burns to ash with no noise or no activity, that is not the person. And then you move on to do another one to try and identify who it might be. Um, that's yeah, very similar to that's very similar to the Jewish way, in which you would take. Um, um, cloves, and you can actually, instead of putting them on a pin, you literally string them on a safety pin. Mm. And um, and you put like five of them on a safety pin, and as many pop, that's how bad the evil eye is. Uh-huh. Mm, interesting. If none pop, you def- no evil eye. You know, you just it's like a it's like a scale. It's like a thermometer <laughs> for how many how many pop. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know, Conjurement Ali, how uh, how all of this tracks with your um, knowledge and experience in uh, Middle Eastern magic, because a lot of these traditions, I believe, have their roots in the Middle East. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap here, and I think Kat is is on to something when she's talking about the transfer of some of these uh, properties from Jewish magic, and and that's true. A lot of this is kind of coming from roughly the same region, and that's because uh, we often think of the Mediterranean as kind of a, a big expanse of the sea, but in reality, it's it's a it's a way in which all these regions were connected. So we should see the Mediterranean as kind of one area in which the Levant, North Africa, uh, Southern Europe, all link to one another. And it has an oversized influence also in, in hoodoo, and that's something that we should really mention. Um, you know, sometimes people think of Mediterranean magic as its own thing, but in reality, when it comes to hoodoo, much of the herb lore comes from Mediterranean magic and Native American magic. Those are the kind of two big influences. Um, Northern European magic certainly plays a role here, and there are some connections there. But in terms of herb lore, in terms of the herbs that are using, it's drawn very heavily from Mediterranean. I mean, where do you think rue comes from, right? Why, where do you think some of these herbs that we use in hoodoo come from? It comes from the southern Mediterranean tradition. Um, even the way, even the kind of uh, framework of understanding the herbs, the doctrine of signatures, the doctrine of signature is Mediterranean. It kind of stretches all the way back to Galen. It's a way of understanding the herbal and natural world and the effect that it has both magically and medicinally. And that principle is found in hoodoo. It comes directly from this Mediterranean root. And so when it comes to herb lore, when it comes to the natural world, and even one could make the argument to various techniques, menstrual blood, eggs, etc., all those, there is a very huge influence of Mediterranean magic and hoodoo. I would argue that I know we often talk about sort of cunning folk and cunning conjure and sort of the British and Germanic uh, elements that, that show up in hoodoo, but I would argue that Mediterranean magic has actually a, a much larger effect on American, African-American hoodoo than any other part of Europe. 
Um, mm. And there is, and you can really see those roots when you're talking about cloves, when you're talking about garlic, when you're talking about rue, when you're talking about ditany of Crete, you can see where all of that comes from. It's from mm-hmm. Mediterranean herb lore. Mm-hmm. Okay, i got to jump in with two two important things. Covet Gift said the colors of carnations um, were taught to her by a Greek grandma who lived next door, and I asked what was it about the colors, and uh, Covet Gift wrote, mostly never to have red and white ones together and to keep them in odd numbers. But, Covet Gift mm-hmm. says, I was little, so I'm probably forgetting a, a lot. We need to check that out. Uh, Justin Sanders... Yeah, check on that. And then Justin Sanders said, um, so should I do a full seven-day anti-evil eye um, ritual? And the answer is, no, you're you're missing the point of how evil eye rituals are done if you just think that you're going to diagnose yourself and then do it. Evil eye is diagnosed, and when it's diagnosed, the amount of um, healing and curing that needs to be done is usually done and wrapped up at the same time as the divination. So I would recommend for you um, a book um, called um, The Evil Eye by Frederick Elworthy and another book called um, Wet and Dry, The Evil Eye, a mm-hmm. case book by Alan Dundies. And those will explain how this works. But in my family, my so-called Sicilian grandmother used the very common dripping of olive oil method. Yeah. You drip the olive yeah. oil, you can see if the eye is there or not, and then you clean it off, and then you drip it again until the eye is not there. There's no seven-day ritual. It might take, and my grandmother saying, oh, my God, the evil eye was so bad, and the child was crying so much, we had to do this all afternoon before we got a perfect bowl, and then it's done. It's done. Mm-hmm. Um and so the evil eye is not the kind of thing that requires some sort of giant occult ritual. It's done in the home, usually by women, mm-hmm. and um, though there are men who will take it off too, but not this often. Does that mm-hmm. agree with what you think, Athena and Ali? It does, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It, is, it is a process that you go through, and it can take time. Sometimes just the first time you do it, it works. Sometimes, as you say, it can take all afternoon, all evening. I've done this ritual mm-hmm. that's lasted into the next day. But once you get that clarity, that clear signal that mm-hmm. it's done, it is done. It's not and, something and they, that you have to repeat. And yeah. the power and of women oh, in particular is considered very important to the evil eye. That's, that's not just a throwaway. It's very real. Right. Women in mm-hmm. particular are considered uniquely gifted, older women, uniquely gifted in removing the evil eye. In fact, one of the oldest cures for a young boy who received the evil eye is to put them in the care of their grandmother because mm-hmm. the grandmother right. can take away the evil eye. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I would say something, too. It's virtually never something that the sufferer does for themselves. No. Yes. It's, you can't. It's done, yeah. yeah, it's done in you the can. community. And um, there are some cultures in which it might be uh, match heads or charcoal instead of the olive oil mm-hmm. version. There are many versions of this. But then afterwards, the person is given a charm or can purchase mm-hmm. a charm to wear mm-hmm. as an apotropaic charm. But the cure right. itself is always done by an older woman, as far as I know. Exactly. Can I make one okay. one very quick comment on the red and white carnations that we heard in the chat room? You do not put them together because red is for passionate love. White is always uh, in, in uh, reverence of uh, God. And you use that for spiritual purposes, for purity. So you do not mix the sexual and the divine. That's why you don't put red and white together. Okay, so I just have one more for Justin Sanders. So Justin Sanders says, so if you've never had the right done before in life, is it safe to do one for good measure? No, you're not mm-hmm. getting what we're saying. 
We're mm-hmm. not you're not to do it yourself. It is to be diagnosed and if you are mm-hmm. diagnosed to have the evil eye, which you would have certain symptoms of. The evil mm-hmm. eye is not just some random thing. If you don't have the symptoms, you'll come up clean. And and when mm-hmm. it's diagnosed, it will be cured. But it is not something that you do. It's neither safe nor not safe. It's just a waste of your fucking time. And and no healer would ever do it on someone who's asymptomatic. It, it's yeah. just that clear. They they would never yeah. agree. My grandmother taught me the healing arts, and, and she would never do it, and I would never do it on somebody unless we knew that there was a very good chance that they were affected. Right. The first part it's of the not right a prophylactic. is the diagnosis. The first part of the right is the diagnosis. Yes, mm-hmm. perfect. It's not a prophylactic. Um, you know, every different kind of folk magic cannot be equated to every other kind. An evil eye is its own very strong. It, it, it's, a, it's a huge, you know, um, Middle Eastern and Mediterranean cultural tradition that has so much built into it. Study those two books. You'll learn a lot, Justin. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to take a client, yes, and so we're going to mm-hmm. turn this over to Jeremy a little late. Go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali. And this week's special guest, Miss Athena, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic Conjure Practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phone and speak with our first client who wishes to remain anonymous. Um, she's calling from Area code eight one zero. Are you there, anonymous? I'm here. Great. Um, anonymous tells us that she has had a palm reading in the past from Miss Cat during the first week of March, and it was about a completely uh, different situation. Um, she's calling in today because her marriage is falling apart. Um, she writes that. Uh, uh, she shoved her husband and he put a protection order on her. She's been thrown out and her, and her husband is trying to take her children away. He's lawyered up, acting unreasonable and irrational. She's looking to reconcile the family in whatever way God sees fit. But she doesn't have access to her magic supply. Wow. Mm. Oh dear, anonymous, that's terrible. Um, let me let me um, ask a couple of questions, and then I'm going to turn this over to Ali for the first reading, Athena for the second reading, and I'll give you some root work advice. So, anonymous, what is your sign of the zodiac? Pisces. Pisces, and your husband's sign of the zodiac? Gemini. Okay. All right. And about how old are you? Uh, 40. You're 40. And how old's the husband? Uh, 43. Okay. All right. So now we have a sort of a little map of where we're going. Let's turn this over to um, uh, Contraman Ali for a reading. Thanks, Ms. Kat. So I've pulled a few cards here, and um, 
you're in for, for a bit of a, a rough road here. So I just want to point that out. Um, the very first card that I have is the Four of Pentacles. And the Four of Pentacles is referred to as, as the Miser King or the Little King. This is a person who is clinging on to what they have and is resistant to anything else, any form of change, any form of adjustment. This person is holding and holding on tight. Uh, this is both in terms of emotion, but also quite physically here. We're seeing that, you know, you mentioned that, that you're no longer in the home and, and he's trying to keep the children away from you. That's the miser king, person who's holding everything tight quite physically, but also emotionally is closed off. Uh, where he is in his state of mind is not uh, in a place where he's going to be receptive towards reconciliation efforts. Uh, and this is confirmed with the next card, the, the Five of Cups. The Five of Cups is a, is a card of mourning, of loss. Here we see an individual who's looking at spilled cups. Uh, some say milk, water, and wine are in those cups. And they're covered in a black cloak. And this is a cloak of mourning and saying and regret, and this is over. They're unable to see that there are two cups right behind them that are perfectly good. And those cups uh, reflect the two of cups, which is a love relationship. This is a person who is unable to see the good anymore, who only sees the disaster, who sees the hurt, who sees the anger, the pain, uh, and the loss. And so right now, the immediate state that he's in is not a good one. And it is one that will require, if you want reconciliation, intervention. And unfortunately, given these two cards, there, you, there are certain things that you can do that can help your situation. And you'll get some really good root work advice from this cat uh, at the end of our readings here. But this is a case where I would say you should probably consider that in addition to the root work we give you, to take on a professional, work with some type of professional here. Um, in particular, someone who has a strong hand at, at influencing husbands and getting them to kind of open up again. The final card that we have is the, is the Four of Wands. I mean, the Four of Swords. The Four of Swords here is, uh, offers some hope, but none of these cards are cards of reconciliation, nor are they cards of, of happiness and joy and okay, everything is going to be all right, nothing to worry about then. No, there's, this is an indication that there's, there's a problem, um, but that not everything is over. It shows us here a sarcophagus, a person who is in repose, and this is an indication that what has what it done has closed the chapter. The chances of a happy family, for example, may not entirely be possible in the immediate future. The chances of full reconciliation may not be possible in the immediate future. But that doesn't mean he's going to be completely away. That doesn't mean you have to lose your children. That doesn't mean you'll have no connection whatsoever. You are going to enter into a different state, a different time, a different form of relationship. And maybe it's one in which you will have joint custody, or maybe it'll be one in which you were awarded custody, and at least you're on friendly terms uh, with your with your husband and partner, um, but it does it does indicate that there is there's something still there. It's not entirely dead, but also to recognize that the chance of kind of turning this all around in the immediate future is very slim. I don't want you to give up on hope. I don't want you to say, oh, it's all over and that's it. But just know that you're up against a really you know steep hill here, 
And part of this might involve you adjusting to a new reality and making the best of that new reality, ensuring that you don't get bogged down in a horrible divorce or custody battle, making sure that you don't get bogged down in an acrimonious split, but are able to kind of smooth out some of these rougher uh, edges here. So your magical work should be oriented around that to help mitigate the damage first and foremost more so than anything else. That's the key that I see here, along with the very strong indication that you should consider some type of professional root work. All right, that's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over uh, to Miss Athena, who's going to do your next reading, and then you're going to have Miss Kat give you some root work recommendation. Great, thank you. Um, I'm reading the Deste, which is a Greek system of uh, cards and uh, in keeping with today's theme of the show. And very similar to what Conjurman Ali was saying, there's some real difficult times ahead here. What I have for you is uh, a series of cards that show the queen here is Tataret, T-A-T-T-A-R-E-T. She is the queen that represents marriage, family, um, all of the things that you're trying to preserve in your relationship. And she is standing next to the card of the tomb, which is about an ending. So we see that this is the thing in... uh, in the reading that is most at stake here, which is the status of your family situation. Um, and you're trying very desperately to hold on to that. As Conjurman Ali says, really what you should be describing your sense of success is in, is in mitigating the damage, mitigating the losses that are coming from your situation, because reclaiming that as a whole is going to be very, very difficult in the near future. And so you need to focus on what parts of that are the most important to you and focus on retaining those uh, as rather than the entire whole. What I see here for him, he is showing up as a man who has, um, you know, he's typically somebody who plans and it feels in control of things. But what this situation has done is it has created anxiety. It has created a sense of um, depression, a sense of unease. He's represented by the horse called Hess, H-E-S-S-E. And that is the symbol of great anxiety and mental disturbance and destruction. He is trying very hard to hold on to his semblance of family. He has next to him the card of the camel, which is about self-sufficiency and having all the means at your disposal to take care of your needs. That's how he's wired. That how That is what he is trying to reclaim. So it feels that he's acting less out of a desire to hurt you and more out of a desire to protect and maintain control over what he believes his family order is. Um, I agree with Conjurman Ali that you want to be looking at professional help in the form of a root worker. Um, I have as the outcome card here the dervish, which is a representation of a, a man who is very learned in his field, somebody who understands the ins and outs of the situation. And that would be, in my estimation, the professional root worker. If you can find a man or somebody who's very adept at understanding male psychology and working with men to try and get them to behave and think in a way that that is desirable, that's going to be uh, instrumental in you gaining some success. But your success is going to come in baby steps, so prioritize what you want to preserve uh, and go forward in that fashion. Okay? That's what I see for you. Okay. Um, 
so um, these are are um, very difficult cards, and um, I'm, I feel, um, in particular, having the tomb and the four of swords in the two readings was very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to know you, and I happen to know a little bit about your um, family situation, and this may be um, something that is not remediable. One of the things that um, I know about you and about this situation is that the two of you are from different um, cultural backgrounds, although both American. But there is a, a breaking point which might not be healed because of this. And um, I'm very sorry to hear that this all happened. And um, I'm going to offer you some root work advice for cleaning yourself preparatory to seeing a root worker who might help you because um, I don't feel that I can give you a spell that's going to bring your husband back, not with that card reading, doubled by two different readers. So I would like you to um, consider what you did. You you said you did an act um, of, I guess we would call it um, assault or, or violence, and um, a a restraining order, a personal protective order was put up against you. You have to really face God on that one. There's no way I can snap my fingers and say, oh, it's undone now. So first of all, I would like you to do um, some bathing and cleansing and ask for forgiveness. And what I'd like you to do is make a, a little bath tea with the following herbs. Rue, which we mentioned before, Rue is used for healing of all types, and it's also used for keeping off evil. I would like you to put hyssop in, because hyssop is if you have committed a sin, you ask for forgiveness. And I would like you to put sumac berries in, which is Mm. a Native American plant that's used for what's called mercy of the court. And um, that is um, a, a good choice, as far as I can see of just three herbs there are others that you might want but I'm not looking at this point for um, to bring back love I'm just looking for you to get clean you could use lemongrass if you wanted to add a, a fourth herb to it and um, you you could use um, Epsom salts as a salt base because it will it's for uh, cleansing or just plain salt and Epsom salts mixed together um, but in any case you can take this bath and make it as complex as you want, but those first three herbs are what I would would use. Um, make a tea of that and um, bathe in it. I want you to have a Bible um, with the 51st Psalm, and I would like you to um, um, recite that psalm. If you want to go a step further, and some will do that, you can take the 51st Psalm and write it, Um, with an ink pen, very small, on paper, or the relevant portions of it on paper, and soak that paper in the water that you're going to bathe in. So you're bathing with the psalm, we would say. And um, so after you've done that, I'd like you to seek out a root worker. You have to consider some contrition here. And you might want to start, if you're going to work for yourself, with a little sugar or honey 
to try to sweeten him back, but I don't see much hope in it, I'll tell you the truth, because none of the cards showed that he would be amenable to being sweeter. So I think what you need to do is to um, consider what you've done and go through the straight and narrow gate of dealing with the um, court situation because that's really where you're at right now. The conditions that cannot, you know, you can't turn back time. And um, he um, he's kicked you out and is trying to take your children away. He has lawyered up. Well, the, your use of the phrase lawyered up is a, um, is a colloquial phrase, but it indicates a certain state of mind. Um, he has a lawyer. You need a lawyer. You must have a lawyer. To lawyer up is a kind of contemptuous phrase saying we don't we're not going to talk anymore, and it may have come to that. Deal through the lawyers, and um, you will need a lawyer. And for that lawyer, you will want deer's tongue herb, and you will want um, some uh, little John to chew or court case root. And I would just uh, that's what I would recommend for you is to. Um, you know, go to the next stage because I don't see how you're going to be able to uh, bring him back given the readings that we have. Don't give up on it, but the readings simply say you may have to go to the next step. Deer's tongue mm. is for an eloquent lawyer. Little John to chew is to prevail in, in court. Does anyone else have anything to add to this? Yeah, I was going to say... Um... The, the state of mind he's in, there's a great deal of, of anger there and, and uh, resignation and, and very clearly, you know, closed off. So any type of work that you're going to do, I, I would also recommend something to cool his rage, his anger, and to kind of open him up a little bit. So um, start with Psalm 45, which is really hmm. good for that, um, and work your way to Psalm 46. Eventually, if things, if you get to the, if you get a root worker who works on your behalf, and you, you're able to at least mellow things out, so it's not as, 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 as kind of tense, and you're able to be in one another's presence, you can actually uh, affix him with the oil or anoint him with the with oil uh, that has been prayed over with Psalm 45 and 46, and that can help with this to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, you need to you need to calm the tempest, the rage first and foremost, and you need to make sure that you're helping to mitigate the damage. And I love, 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 love the addition of sumac here. Um, I hadn't considered it, but it's really the right exact here because not only does, is sumac good in sort of legal cases to bring mercy, but it also has a great way of kind of making, all right, shit hit the fan, let's make sure it's not too bad. Sumac mm-hmm. has this way of kind of regulating of bringing things down, which is nice, so I think it'll be really good here. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. I I I would also suggest, if I could, just quickly, um, in your honey jar, his his anger is uh, geared towards protecting the children, as opposed to anger at you and trying to get back at you and being vindictive. So, if you're going to make a honey jar for you and him, put the children in there too and add some blood root, and petition that the two of you are going to work together for the sake of Mm. of what's good and healthy for your children. For your family unit, so that you come to a conclusion, you're working together for a solution that's going to benefit your children. That way, he sees you as part of a team and not his adversary. That's the only thing mm. that I would add there. Okay. 
Wow. Good luck. Okay, out. that's for blood root for family strength. That's really mm-hmm. a, a good idea. All right. Um, let, I think next we're going to have our scheduled network announcement. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Miss Athena of GothamConjure.com in New York City. Take it away, Miss Athena. Hi, thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we, we all know we're going through some of the toughest times we've ever had to live through, and it's hard to remember what it feels like to have a normal life, and and what normal is even going to mean anymore. Um, I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. Everyone who's listening to the show, but even if you or your loved one uh, does not become physically ill in this time of coronavirus, I think we can all agree that this has been taking a very big spiritual toll on us as well. So today I want to bring you a spell for strength and healing, for physical and spiritual restoration in this time of the pandemic. And we're going to make an amulet in the style of folk magic from southern Italy and Sicily, where this amulet is called a brevi, B-R-E-V-I. And you're going to make this on a Thursday, which is the day of Jupiter, king of the gods in Roman mythology. He stood for strength and victory. So we want to tap into that energy, strength, and emerging on the other side victorious and whole. So what you're going to need for this spell is a piece of red fabric. And you can use a flannel from a red mojo bag. You can even use a mojo bag. But it's traditional to cut this in circles. You're going to cut two circles about two inches in diameter. That's the Italian approach, is using a circle. If you took the Greek approach, we would sew this in triangles. So it's up to you uh, what style of pouch you want to use, but you're going to cut two versions of that about two inches in diameter from the red cloth. And you're going to create a pouch. And in this pouch, we're going to place a collection of herbs that are native to the Mediterranean and used in folk magic for strength and healing. And we'll start with a good pinch of dried rue, which we talked about today. Uh, You're going to add a pinch of dittany of Crete for strength. And this will be particularly helpful if you felt weakened by illness or trauma or just the stress of what we're living under. Okay? Add a pinch of spearmint for that same purpose. We talked a little bit about mint earlier for protection. It's also widely used in the Mediterranean for strength. Add a sprig of lavender, and this grows all along the coastal region of the Mediterranean. It's been used for strength since the days of ancient Rome, so let's tap into that energy too. A pinch of borage, also native to the Mediterranean, also very useful in shoring up our strength and vitality. You're going to take some dried petals from a red carnation, 
And you get extra points if you can find one that's grown near a church because you can tap into uh, the strength of uh, of God. Um, you're also going to add ashes from a sacred fire. And on last week's show on Concealed Magic, I know there's some talk about burning things to ash as being very common across Mediterranean folk magic traditions. This is very true. In this spell for sacred fire, I would typically burn the remains of palm fronds or olive branches from Palm mm. Sunday. And today is Palm Sunday in much of the Christian world, but most churches are closed, so it's going to be hard to find palms. So an alternative to this would be to write out a psalm on a piece of paper and burn that to ash. And for this spell, I particularly like Psalm 77. This is a helpful psalm for restoring strength, particularly the lines, I call to remembrance my song in the night. This is my infirmity but I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. That's about restoration. And I think that's a beautiful statement to add to this particular spell. So write out those lines on a piece of paper, burn it on incense, and put the ashes into your brevi. And you're also going to take a small piece of red coral. And red coral is in danger of extinction. So this is entirely optional, but it's certainly available and it's very traditional in Italian magic to strengthen you and help dispel any weakness. So find a piece of red coral. Extra points if you can find it in one of those those protective symbols of the monofico or the double horns, uh, anything like that that's going to add an element of protection here. Alternatively, if you don't want to use red coral, you can add a small medal of St. Peter. And as I said, in the book of Acts, he was considered a very powerful healer. So he could be petitioned for healing and strength in your spell. Okay? And you're going to sew it up in a circle or a triangle, whichever shape you're using. Wear it against your skin. Tuck it in a bra, pin it inside your underwear. Do it the way you would a regular mojo bag in the hoodoo tradition. But this is using very traditional Mediterranean folk magic to strengthen and restore you during these stressful and uncertain times. So that is my spell for you today. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, Ooh, I'm going to add something about the little circle. Mm-hmm. Um, in my book, um, The Art of Making Mojos, there are a number of small mojos that are made in the form of a circle, and I think there's even a picture of one that's sewed um, in the form of a heart and one in the form of a circle. So this has entered African-American culture probably through contact with North Africans um, and Mediterranean people. Um, and there's a there are a number of these. So for those who think that a mojo can only be made in a bag, this is a mojo, but it's mm-hmm. just a... It, now I have a question. What does the word brevi mean? That's a very good question. That's an does Italian it mean, word. It, does it mean brief, it more small? I mean brief? I, I, I think it means small because uh, it is it is meant to be small. It's meant to be hidden. It's meant to be undetectable under clothing. Um, mm-hmm. So I am going to actually look that up. In, uh, okay. Online while we're <laughs> speaking, that's a good question. <laughs> okay. You know I'm what curious. looks particularly interesting about this is that anyone who's familiar with folk magic or anyone who's familiar with hoodoo can recognize a lot of these elements and the methods of working. So that even if they're not from a Mediterranean background, uh, they can they can do this. 
and it's it's like familiar. There's a very clear familiarity here, and all the kind of different kind of components all coming together from the brevi to the burning of the ash, and including that. All of that is stuff that we do uh, in hoodoo. So there's something quite beautiful in the way that folk magic really does transfer, and folk magic has all these connections. Mm. Yes, I just looked it up. Brevi actually means short, so it's the short. same idea as small. Yeah, the hidden yeah. brief, um, brief, brief. Yeah. Yes, it's like a, bre- in a Greek, in Greek, is a brief. This is a very big tradition in Greek uh, folk magic as well. Uh, we use the triangle, symbol of the Trinity, and you sew up herbs in little packets like this. Sew up all three sides, and you use that, and in the same way that we would a mojo in the Hoodoo tradition, and we call that a filachto which is simply the Greek word for talisman. So it's descriptive rather than um, an adjective about its size, the way brevi is. But they're, they're used in the same way. And this is using the Mediterranean tradition of tapping into the, the healing, the strengthening, the vitality, the restorative properties of traditional Mediterranean herbs um, for for yeah, that we, purpose. We've got uh, Athena. Our music is playing. I've got to cut oh, you sorry. off. We have a. Um, that's your mm-hmm. signal to stop talking. <laughs> okay, take it away, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- th- thank you, uh, Miss Athena of shoppingpotter.com in New York, and thank you, Miss Pat and Pondeman Ali. Next week, our guest will be Lady Muse of House of selfempowerment.com in Victorville, California and she will be discussing uh, the topic of overcoming the fear of the unknown. I'm terrified of that topic. Um, <laughs> once again, we've come to another end, uh, uh, end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour. Join us next week uh, on Blog Talk at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern and the shows are available in the archive. Once again, thanks again for listening. The Memphis Jug Band will be playing the Jug Band Waltz, and you will be hearing the familiar strains and recognizing <laughs> the wonderful, the wonderful music that goes along with the theme of the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour. All right, thanks, Jeremy. Well, everybody, keep safe. We'll be back next week from our private um, little quarantine rooms. And in the meantime, if you can order from your local shops online, whichever shop they are, do try to keep them in business. Try to help. And um, we'll see you all absolutely same time, same place next week. Good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.